Hi, I'm Carmen LeBurge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LeBurge. Inspiring you to bring God back into the conversation of the day. This is Mornings with Carmen LeBurge on Faith Radio. If we're gonna fly, we fly like eagles, arms out wide. If we're gonna fear, we fear no evil. We will rise by your power. We will go by your spirit. We are bold. If we're gonna stand, we stand as giants. If we're gonna walk, we walk as lions. Good morning. Good morning. It is Wednesday, the second of November, twenty twenty-two. Today's Growing Your Faith verse of the day is from Psalm 37, verses 18 and 19. Day by day, the Lord takes care of the innocent. They will receive an inheritance that lasts forever. They will not be disgraced in hard times, even in famine. They will have more than enough. Now, as we um, recognize and acknowledge what's happening around the world, places where there is indeed drought and famine when we consider food scarcity in certain places, and when we even consider, uh, I mean, you know, just yesterday, headlines related to uh, the drought across the center part of the United States of America resulting in conditions on the Mississippi River, which means that barges loaded, loaded with food up on the north end um, cannot make their way down to the uh, the southern end of the Mississippi River, dri- driving up the cost of the transportation of those food goods. Um, like it's like three hundred times as much to you know ship a barge of soybeans down the Mississippi as it was just a year ago. So that's going to drive up the cost of food. Um, maybe not the cost of a soybean for you, but. Uh, the animals that would then eat those soybeans that you would then want to, in turn, uh, buy a season from now. So all of that is wound up in the conversation related to today's Growing Your Faith verse of the day. Because when it says even in famine, they will have more than enough, we furrow our brows. I mean, how do we reconcile such a verse with the reality that people die every day, including Christians? from the same privations and consequences of sin that wreak havoc on everyone else. Like, how do you, how do you reconcile um, what the psalmist is saying with the reality uh, that we face in the world? Jesus makes uh, very clear that uh, even as the rain falls on the unrighteous and the righteous alike, like that's, a, uh, that's an assurance of God's good grace poured out on everyone all the time. Rain falls on the righteous and the unrighteous alike. Um, so too, he says, the same storms that rise against the house of the evil man who built his, his house on the sand, those same storms rise against the wise man who built his house on a rock. The rains fall, the winds blow, the, um, the waves beat against both houses. So it's not as if, um, because we're in Christ, we're going to escape, um, the generation or global consequences of sin, Right? I mean, the rain falls on all of us, positively and negatively. So what is the psalmist assuring here? Well, the psalmist is assuring that the Lord takes care of the innocent day by day. In the same way that we pray, Lord, give us this day our daily bread. 
in the same way that in the wilderness, God fed his people with manna day after day after day after day after day. And it might not have been exactly what they wanted, um, but it was sufficient to their need. And for God's people in the wilderness, it happened, you know, just through the express generosity of God. Today, it happens through the generosity and compassion of, of people. Like God gives daily bread to those who would otherwise be disgraced in hard times because of the generosity and compassion of God's people. So the psalmist here in offering assurance of God's provision is also calling upon those who have more than enough to supply for the needs of those who do not. So this is a verse about the all-sufficiency of God's provision and a reminder to those who have gathered resources in times of plenty that we are called to be conduits of God's blessing in times of want. So we've spent um, the last few weeks uh, considering the teachings of Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapters 5 through 7, and you may want to reread the Sermon on the Mount in light of today's Growing Your Faith verse of the day. You know, it's Jesus who says to his followers in Matthew 5, 42, um, to give to those who ask. Luke records that same teaching in his gospel account in Luke 6, verse 30. So, you know, Luke delivers it as uh, the Sermon on the Plain, Matthew as the Sermon on the Mount. It's probably the teaching of Jesus repeated over and over and over again in the hearing of his disciples and recorded Um, you know, at different times and places. Um, So there, Luke says, uh, give to everyone who asks you and don't ask for it back. So this is about the spirit of generous giving, the vision of God's people as conduits of material blessing to those who are in genuine need. Um, So let me encourage you today, if you are in a position to give because you have gathered, give freely. Um, And if you are a person in need, um, ask, ask. Ask that God would supply for your need, even through the hands of, um, of someone whom God has blessed in order that they might be a blessing. So don't rob the rich person of the joy of giving by failing to ask if you find yourself um, at a time of need. That's what Paul did. Um, that's how Paul expressed uh, being supplied for in terms of his needs as a missionary on the mission field because of uh, the gifts of God's people which flowed into his life in order that, well, frankly, he might know the secret of being content in all circumstances. Hey, Jeff Bilbro is going to join us next. We're going to um, we're going to be talking about a question that you you all frequently ask. You frequently ask, hey, you know, like where do I turn for news that's really just news, like accurate journalism? We're going to talk with Jeff Bilbro um, about how we interpret the news of the day. He actually wrote a book on it called Reading the Times. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Jeff Bilbro is back. He's a professor at Grove City College. He is also the editor of Front Porch Republic, where you can read what he has aggregated in the Water Dipper. Good morning, Jeff. Good morning, Carmen. So we get this question frequently, um, and it and it goes something like this: Where where do you go um, for accurate news? Like where do you go for straight up journalism? 
Yeah, I get this question all the time too. And uh, I wish there was an easy answer. I wish uh, the world was such that, um, you know, we could that just there say, was a site that was called like yeah. Carmen and Jeff.com. Yeah. <laughs> hey, well, if I was in charge of it, it would definitely have problems. It's <laughs> uh, exactly. But I mean, I think, I, th- I think the problem is that we want some kind of solution that doesn't require us to think, doesn't require us to do the difficult work of discernment. Um, so yeah, there could definitely be, there could definitely be better options than we have, but there is never going to be a perfect, um, a perfect option that doesn't require us to, uh, test what we're reading. And, uh, we know, as you point out every day, uh, weigh it against, uh, the scriptures and the eternal news, uh, the eternal good news. So um, I am going to offer up a couple of places where if you're listening right now, um, you could, I'm, and again, these guys might fall off the edge as well, but what I'm, uh, I'm looking at some sources right now, um, just in my own, in my own experience, I'm, I'm testing a brand new one called Semaphore, S-E-M-A-F-O-R, semaphore.com. You can read, um, if you go to the about section of these websites, then you can sort of read their their journalistic approach and their editorial approach, and you can furrow your brow and move on if you want, or you can say, all right, I'm going to give these guys a chance. There's also Axios, A-X-I-O-S.com. You should read their about page and their commitment um, and see what you think about that. So there's a couple. But Jeff, you, you um, you really illuminate the right question. The real question is, how do I cultivate the wisdom that I need to engage any and every news source? Yeah. I think that's right. And I think your your advice there was good and to look at the about page to know where people are coming from. Um, you know, I've been impressed that this patch is doing more and more kind of long form on the ground reporting. So that's good. I, I think anytime there's a place where, you know, you can tell the reporter has been talking to people and not just uh, citing tweets or kind of information that anybody can access online. That's a signal that this person is uh, or this this website, this outlet has the funds to sustain not clickbait, but actual journalism, um, which is harder and harder to find these days, I think. Oh, that's really good. Um, uh, I want to have you revisit with us um, kind of the main points of reading the Times, which is uh, your book really on this topic, Literary and Theological Inquiry into the News. We've discussed it on a prior occasion, but I'm going to ask Jeff just to remind us about um, you know, the, the sort of bad habits that we, um, that we have uh, in encountering the news and the antidotes to those, which I'll just go ahead and tell you, are actual community giving attention to like actual art literature and journalism and then seeking to understand the time and the times within the sweep of God's um, great drama that is over all of human history. So we're going to talk about that next here on Mornings with Carmen. Thanks so much for listening to Mornings with Carmen LaBerge. Hey, I'm Susie Larson. Hey, if you enjoy what you're listening to here, would you consider subscribing to other great faith radio podcasts like mine? Search Susie Larson Live at MyFaithRadio.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. Hit subscribe and have a great day. Welcome to the First Church of Mercy, where the doors of love swing open wide. So we're talking with Jeff Bilbro. You can find him um, at jeffbilbro.com and links there to all of um, all of the places where he's writing and uh, and commenting. Jeff, um, yesterday I was having coffee with a new friend, um, and during our conversation, you know, her phone is you know it's kind of blew up with a a series of the latest alerts, and they were being passed on to her from 
you know, her dad, who obviously um, was, you know, kind of a prisoner of yesterday afternoon's news cycle, whatever that was. And it could have been any afternoon. It could have been any day. Um, but, you know, he's he is agitated um, by what he is hearing. And and so he's passing that along to her. And it's it's disruptive to, you know, sort of the actual conversations of the day when we allow the news cycle to sort of become what we pay most attention to. So that's really what you address um, in your book, Reading the Times. So can you just remind us um, of, you know, kind of what we need in terms of discerning truth and rightly interpreting the news in its in its rightful place in our lives? Yeah, Conrad, that's such a great anecdote because I think that uh, epitomizes the problem and how, um, you know, especially there's an election next week uh, so here, I, I yeah, uh, I live in a, a state that's, uh, you know, apparently going to have a couple close races um, on Tuesday. So it's so easy to get caught up into a, a political um, storm of uh, back and forth stuff or a cultural or, you know, whatever the case may be. It's so easy to get sucked into that. So I have a lot of I'm certainly prone to that myself. Um but as you put it, you know, it doesn't really nobody is helped when we are sucked into these uh, instantaneous back and forth developing stories. And um, so, yeah, th- th- I've been talking with a lot of people about especially the first part of my book on attention and how uh, when we allow ourselves to get sucked into these um continuously developing, um, changing stories with the facts are really murky, but we're, we're sucked into the unfolding drama. We're not more informed. Um, we're often more confused and we're also agitated and emotionally engaged in things that we really have little effect on and that really shouldn't affect our lives. Right. So instead of spending time with the people around us and, and attending to the the uh, events in their lives, our attention is drawn elsewhere. And that really makes us uh, less able to take responsibility for, uh, you know, uh, the the people and the issues that we should, that we are obligated to, uh, to engage in. So, yeah, I think what you said earlier, but but thinking about ways to kind of have a longer wavelength attention to issues so that we're trying to follow important stories, but not urgent stories uh, and trying to follow a few things, but not everything. Um, and just, just relieving ourselves from this sense that, that there's a moral obligation to be informed with what's happening right now, because I don't think that's uh, necessarily true or Christian. Yeah, it's interesting when you consider the things that Jesus talked about and taught. Um, I mean, he could have, he certainly could have um, told everybody what was happening everywhere in the world in yeah. in the moment, in that moment, right? I mean, he's God. He is completely and utterly aware of, of everything. Um, but that is not... Uh, what he did. That's not how he operated. It wasn't even how he operated in personal relationship. I mean, he didn't say to people, look, I already know what you're thinking. Um, I already know what you're thinking. I already know what you're feeling. I already know what you need. Let me let me just go ahead. And uh, no, he actually engaged in real relationship. He listened to people and their concerns. Um, he 
he was very he was literally very present in the moment. Um, maybe there's a lesson for us in that the incarnational way in which Jesus inhabited a moment where he was completely present, where he gave his full attention to the person right in front of him, even though he knew the concerns of the next person and the the people on the periphery and the person down the road and um, and the person around the world at the time. Like, right, he gave perfect attention to the individual right in front of him. Maybe there's a lesson for us in that. Yeah, amen. And I think even when he, one of my favorite stories about this is when those people come up to Jesus and say, hey, did you hear about that tower in Siloam that fell and crushed these people, right? I mean, that's the kind of story that would go viral today, this kind of um, visually compelling tragedy. And Jesus flips the story on on its head and says, you know, don't rubberneck, don't uh, obsess about how terrible they must have been. Um, we could all die at any moment and you should examine your own heart and repent. You should repent. So he redirects their attention to these kinds of eternal, um, yeah, underlying issues rather than the, the more dramatic tragedy that they wanted to, to focus on and talk to him about. Mm. Yeah, so um, for those of you looking for that, he's he's re- referencing a story that is recorded in um, in Luke chapter thirteen. Just yeah, uh, yeah, yeah I, that's so good. That's so helpful. Um, thank you for reminding us of that. All right, you recently spoke at an event at John Brown University. Our friend Daniel Bennett, um, who comes on the show um, as well, uh, it was the Reimagining Faith in Public Life conference. Your topic was discerning truth in an untruthful world. Um, we would love to hear a synopsis of that, and I'm going to include the YouTube video of the entire talk in the show notes for today. So you can um, you can watch the whole thing later. Um, you can grab the link from the show notes wherever you download today's podcast. So t- talk with us, Jeff, about um, discerning truth in an untruthful world. Yeah, I think it was a really good event. Dan did a good job putting that on and, and kind of setting the stage for a good discussion. And Bonnie Christian and I... Um, address that that issue of how to discern the truth in an untruthful world. And I think, uh, you know, Bonnie's new book, Untrustworthy, is quite excellent and really measured and thoughtful. Um, and my, my sort of brief remarks, and then this came out more in the Q&A time with Bonnie afterward, um, were just intended to help people think about our current uh, shifts in information structures, right? Who's, which institutions and media are we consuming? in light of um, shifts that happened in 19th century America and how disruptive those were. You know, they, one of the outcomes you might say was the civil war, uh, you, but also a lot of religious turmoil with shifting and, and the breakup of denominational structures. And, uh, you know, thinking how we might learn from people who live through that disruption about how to live well during our own age of disruption. and. And, you know, again, there's no quick fix or easy answer, but but thinking about how to orient ourselves toward eternal questions um, might help us to uh, be more patient and and have the right expectations for our ability to discern truth about contingent events that are happening across the world, uh, which we have access to now, but but maybe not in, in a way that is transparent or easy. All right. And um, for those of you wondering, yes, we are going to be talking with Bonnie Christian about her book, Untrustworthy. 
um, in a couple of weeks, I think. So that's coming up. um, That's coming up soon. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to that. Um, Jeff, thank you, as always, so much for joining us. You guys can read what Jeff has aggregated at The Water Dipper. That's at Front Porch Republic. I'm going to have all the links for today's conversation, including the prior conversations we've had with Jeff about his book, Reading the Times. All of that will be in today's show notes, so be sure you get those later today at MyFaithRadio.com or wherever you subscribe to um, this podcast, Mornings with Carmen. So if you haven't done that already, you know, you ought to download the Faith Radio app and then subscribe to the podcast and then you get the show notes every day. Kind of a good way to do that. Hey, Jeff, as always, thank you so much. Thank you, Carmen. Have a great day. Um, you too. You too. Hey, let's go upwards with Max Lucado. Hey, thanks you so much for those of you engaging with me on the text line this morning. You Just a reminder, um, or maybe you've just tuned in and you're like, hey, I didn't know there was a text line. I didn't know I could get in touch directly. Yep. It's uh, it's open every day during the show. You can text uh, you can text me pretty much anything. Keep it clean. 877-933-2484. This is listener-supported um, ministry. So if you're listening right now and you say to yourself, hey, I would like to um, support this ministry. Others have supported it financially in the past, and I want to do my part and participate in the ministry, then you can text the word GIVE to 877-933-2484. It's not not just during those select few days of the year, although we do have a select few days of the year when we um, celebrate the things that God's doing and we invite people specifically to give. We're going to have one of those here before the end of the year on November the 29th. We're just going to have a one-day winter um, fundraiser, but you don't have to wait till November the 29th, you can give today. Just text the word GIVE to 877-933-2484, or you can always give online at MyFaithRadio.com. Um, and thank you to those of you who are ongoing monthly supporters of this ministry, those of you who sponsor particular days. Oh, I got a note from a day sponsor yesterday. I know I'm supposed to be talking about something else right now, but I'm, now I'm distracted. I'm going to talk about this. So I got a, um, a note from a day sponsor yesterday. And um, he happens to be a postal worker. And one of the things that he um, he shares with us is that as he, you know, makes his way along his postal route every single day, he prays, like, by name, right? Because obviously he knows the people's names because he has their mail in his hands. And so prays for them by name, prays for those addresses, prays for, you know, uh, that God might, you know, reach into their lives in particular ways. And he just had this extraordinary series of of encounters with a particular set of neighbors, like, you know, this person that lives next to this person and across the street from this person and a package that got, you know, delivered to the wrong place. And then that led to a conversation. And then these people were having dinner and he'd invited them to church and da, 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 da. I mean, on and on and on and on. Just the opportunity to see how God was like working behind the scenes in in ways that he'd been asking in prayer. And then um, God was so gracious to say, hey, hey, yeah, here's what I'm doing. Here's how um, here's how I'm working behind these, um, what are often just closed doors to us as we pass down the street. So don't forget to be praying for people as you drive along through a neighborhood or through a community. Um, let's be praying for the people who live in those houses that God would reveal himself in extraordinary ways and use this ministry um, uh, as well. So just uh, just love that. Um, all right, uh, a couple of headlines here from around the world really quickly before we turn to a conversation with Ruth Kramer, who's going to bring us more headlines from around the world and 
keep us in touch with what our brothers and sisters in Christ are um, are doing and experiencing. Um, let me just lift this one up. There are journalists being jailed in Iran during the ongoing protests there. Um, arrests of of journalists by uh, the Iranian regime is a you know is an attempt to silence the dissent there. And so let's be um, let's be praying for the freedom of information to flow. Um, and certainly for the release of those journalists who have now been um, imprisoned in Iran. Ruth Kramer is going to bring us some updates from around the world from Mission Network News. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. To boldly go where no one has gone before. Ruth Kramer is back. You can find what we're talking about today at missionnews.org. Ruth, good morning. Good morning. How are you? Well, uh, I have a rodent problem at my house, so I'm a little obsessed with that. But other than that, I'm good. Yipes. Mm -hmm. I know. There you go. (laughs) See, this is when you're kind of sorry you ask. So there you go. But that's the truth and the reality. So how about you? Um, I'm only on my first cup of coffee. That's a hard question. <laughs> okay, we'll just go with that. Um, talk with us about what's going on in Lebanon. You know, as we talk to our partners in Lebanon, I really wish that we could come out and say, this is an awesome story. Um, there are so many challenges right now that are facing ministries. And, and you know, that this is the backdrop. I want to put this in the context of this is the backdrop against which the body of Christ is lifting up the name of Christ. And we are seeing that God is moving throughout the country in ways that they could never imagine. Um, You know, when they were asking God to shake the nation in 2018, they had no idea that this is what it was going to look like on this end. So that's Mm -hmm. the the context here. Um, Lebanon is kind of left right now uh, drifting. Um, The situation is that the parliament has failed to elect a president. They had four chances to try since the May elections and have not been able to come to an agreement on um, having a new president in place. And the sitting president, uh, his term ended October 31st. So he had to step down. Now there's a presidential vacuum, uh, which means that the country is heading into a constitutional crisis. It's just one more thing on top of everything else. And when we talk to Horizons International about that, you know, like, what does this mean when your country has no leadership or no sitting government. Um, He said, well, we kind of got used to it because it's been in such turmoil since uh, the election, uh, you know, that they've been without a a functioning government and president for about 18 months now that they're just kind of looking at it as same old, same old, because even if there was a president in place, not a lot would be changing. Um, you have the financial crisis. You have the the issues with the economy that is in free fall. Um, right now, uh, you've got a situation where the infrastructure is being threatened because of the, the lack of uh, subsidy for the, the fuel that's coming through. Um, so electricity is now becoming a commodity. Um, and it's a rare commodity. So for most people in Lebanon, you've got about two or three hours of power during the day. And that means that people have to find another way to be able to get things done. A lot of the country is, is turning towards solar power and um, having these panels installed. Uh, generators are part of a thing. People are cooperating together or renting out generator time. Um, and so ministries like Horizons International and Triumphant Mercy and Heart for Lebanon uh, have implemented strategies to try to be able to generate their own power 
so that they can continue to do ministry in the name of Christ, meeting a lot of the needs that that they're connected to, um, whether it be the Lebanese community or the refugee community. Um, they have a lot of work on their plates. Uh, just kind of giving you the 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 you know earlier context, uh, they have a lot of things that they're doing right now. Um, between uh, planting churches, discipling, and just meeting basic humanitarian needs. So they need that power. This is kind of the context and, and behind uh, the the challenges that they're facing. Um, a lot of theme- people who are not connected to ministries, you know, you ask, well, how are they surviving? Um, they have family members who are outside of Lebanon. A lot of them have family members who are in other countries who are able to send money and try to subsidize the uh, the family that way. But if you don't have family who's who's sending money, then you're really kind of uh, up a creek without a paddle. On top of that, there is word that there's a cholera outbreak, and it's actually spreading very quickly throughout Lebanon. Um, it started in coming over the border from Syria into the refugee camps. And now you have, since I think the first reported case of a lab-confirmed uh, cholera case Beginning of October, there are 381 laboratory confirmed cases, um, 1,400 suspected cases, and 17 deaths so far. 17 deaths doesn't sound like a huge number, one, but when you consider what a cholera outbreak looks like and how quickly it'll spread in a refugee camp, uh, it's it's really a very sobering situation. Um, because it is deadly, it can kill within hours because of the dehydration, uh, and because of the uh, the infrastructure um, failing, and there's uh, already a lack of sanitation and overcrowding uh, in the camps. This is a great concern for the ministries that are working in the refugee camps. So please be praying because there's there's a lot on their plates. Um, they just need they need uh, they need to know that the body of Christ has not forgotten them. That they the body of Christ is supporting the boots on the ground, the people who are walking through the mud in the refugee camps being the hands and feet of Christ. If there's a way you can get behind it, fantastic, do so. Um, we can connect you through all those partners because we we have relationships with people. Um, you know, we just want to let them know they haven't been forgotten. Yeah, I want to... Um... I want to pivot to uh, to Africa, a couple of different stories um, here. First, I want to talk about um, blasphemy laws in relationship to specifically Nigeria, but I know it goes beyond that. And then I I, I do want an update on, um, you know, this fourth year of drought in Kenya, Ethiopia, and Somalia, what you're hearing from Oxfam International. And then I also know there's a drought-related story in, in Syria as well. All of these are really, really hard stories to cover um, and you guys can read all of them um, uh, in their fullness at missionnews.org. This is Mission Network News. We're talking with Ruth Kramer. Let's start with blasphemy laws. Anything perceived as insulting Islam can be called blasphemy. That seems very all-encompassing and um, and therefore very unpredictable. Well, let me ask you a question. How many countries do you think actually have a blasphemy law on the books? Hmm. I'm going to say a dozen. Let's say 79. Mm. So the the Pew Research Center uh, did some, released a report uh, about the countries around the world that have some kind of law, either uh, dealing with apostasy or blasphemy, and found that there are 79 countries and territories out of all the countries in the world that have some law or policy in place 
that that really looks like it's uh, defining um, speech or actions that would be considered contemptuous of God or of people or objects considered sacred. Um, th- I'm just going to read this out because this was kind of startling. I knew there were a lot of countries. I just didn't know there were so many. There were 12 countries in the Americas, 14 in Europe, 18 in the Middle East and North Africa, 18 in Sub-Saharan Africa, and 17 countries in Asia-Pacific that have some kind of law that is connected to um, religion like this, apostasy and blasphemy. That means that you have a lot of places where um, turning from the the faith that is like the, the state faith um, or the, the accepted dominant faith and, and pursuing another, like leaving Islam and going to Christianity – you would be guilty of blasphemy or apostasy. And in a lot of these countries, um, there are some very stiff penalties. There are, I think, eight countries um, where uh, the, pen- the the penalty for running afoul of the blasphemy law is death. And that's just very sobering, I think, for us to, to realize this. Um, these laws are used very, very loosely uh, in places like Pakistan um it's used they're used to settle scores so if someone wants the land that belongs to a christian they can accuse them of blasphemy and then tie them up in jail or tie them up in the courts for so long that they can just swoop in and take over the land um the there's the the, the blasphemy laws are restrictive in a lot of ways and also um interfere with not only religious freedom, but also human rights. So that's something we want to put in perspective here. Um, At the top of the list, according to nblasphemylaws.org, is Nigeria. The the usage of the blasphemy laws in Nigeria supersedes that of Pakistan. And that's, I think, what another situation that people don't realize is how uh, strict things are. And this is mostly in the northern areas. but, you know, and I think we were looking at um, the persecution in Nigeria uh, as the big issue. But there's also blasphemy laws that come into play as well. Um, so the U.S. Commission on International Religious Freedom released a new report that basically says the blasphemy laws in Nigeria have to go because it's preventing the country from developing. Um, the The blasphemy laws almost protect the insurgencies, the extremists that are coming through and trying to create the Islamic State of West Africa province or protect the atrocities committed by Boko Haram or even now the Fulani herdsmen. Um, and and this is just something where one group is being targeted by all these other groups. And those that group is sort of a soft target. And those are the Christians. Uh, so the USCIRF is coming out and saying, this is something we have to be aware of. When you're involving the U.S. Commission on International Religious Freedom, you're now also involving the State Department. So they're trying to say, we have to put Nigeria back on the list of countries of particular concern. We need to be paying attention to the situation and saying, we're watching, and if need be, we're going to put pressure on because this needs to change. Um, so that's something we can be praying for. The the ministries that are working in places that have blasphemy laws in place uh, really need our prayer, a prayer cover for uh, protection, for creative witness, for um, the Holy Spirit to be moving on the ground so that people would be willing to risk everything to find out a little bit more about the grace of God and who Jesus Christ is. People are coming to churches and they're finding the uh, the evangelists um, and asking questions and knowing what the risk is. Um, this is something that we find is just supernatural. Uh, because, you know, 
it's overcoming human fear because they're seeking grace. They're seeking hope in a lot of very difficult situations. And then once they become um, a follower of Christ, uh, they have to find another part of a body. So then you're talking about isolated believers. Then you're talking about people who think they're the only Christian in their country. And they're seeking out a community to be part of because they keep reading this thing about the body of Christ and they don't know where to find that. So be praying for these new believers, that they would grow rooted in their faith, that would find another body, um, that God would place people in their path to walk alongside them. And we as the body of Christ outside of these situations can be praying fervently to that end and getting alongside some of these organizations that um, are the hands and feet in places where we can't be. We're going to continue our conversation with Ruth Kramer in just a moment. We're going to survey some other headlines. You can read everything we're talking about today and so much more at missionnews.org. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge. This is Faith Radio. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen. As you know, this is a rebroadcast of the live radio show carried on the Faith Radio Network. There's a lot going on at Faith Radio. Tons of free resources just waiting for you and for you to share with others at MyFaithRadio.com. How does that all happen? Well, it happens through listener support. So Faith Radio, Mornings with Carmen, all available because of listener support from listeners, well, just like you. If you're a supporter, thank you so very much. If you'd like to become a supporter today, just visit MyFaithRadio.com. And again, thanks for being a part of what we do every day at Mornings with Carmen. Now I'm alive and born again, rescued from the grip of sin. God, Just a reminder here that God has his people deployed all over the world. And so as Ruth and I discuss these headlines um, and the dire circumstances in which people are existing um, in places near and far away, um, we're doing this in, in an attempt to not make you sad or, um, or feel as if you're helpless, but actually to help us recognize the places and spaces where God's people are present um, in the midst and, and in those places where you feel called to do so, to connect with ministries that are on the ground in order that um, the needs of these ministries might be supplied for and therefore the people who are in such desperate need. So that's that's the motivation. That's why we're doing what we're doing. Um, and we certainly want you to be praying for each and every one of the places that we're talking about and the people on the ground there. Um, so Ruth, let's, um, let's talk about what's going on in East Africa. We could um, focus on the story at Mission News um, that features this fourth year of drought in Kenya, Ethiopia, and Somalia. Uh, in this report from Oxfam that you know says starvation is going to claim uh, one life every 36 seconds between now and the end of the year. I mean, that's just these crop failures, um, nothing for livestock to eat, therefore, you know, no milk production. This is devastation. But there's also this, um, you know, this drought that we that that we now recognize is taking place in other places, not just Africa. It's also, um, you know, throughout the Middle East. So. Bring us up to date on the drought in Syria and the crisis there in relationship to wheat. The situation in Syria has its, I think people have forgotten some, in, to some degree that it's still a war zone. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so you haven't been able to see the farmers in their fields planting anything because it's an active war zone. Um, there's also not very many people left to plant the fields um, because they've all been conscripted into the army or they're now in other countries uh, because they're refugees. For those who have come back who somehow managed to not be in the military, um, even if they were able to plant a field, there's no water. There's no infrastructure for irrigation. Um, so it's a a very difficult situation. Uh, Syria cannot produce its own food right now. And they were part of the many countries that were importing grain out of Ukraine and Russia. Um, but now that the, you have a, a war situation going on between Ukraine and Russia, that food distribution uh, chain has been severely disrupted. So with the inability of Syria being able to support its own people with food production and not being able to import it, you have a growing food crisis on top of everything else, which is causing people to leave the country even more. Um, You know, I mean, if the war wasn't enough, there are some people that have come back into it and trying to figure out how to rebuild their lives again. They're having to leave because there's just no way to survive uh, on their own with the situation as it is and um with the overcrowding that you're seeing coming out of of uh Syria into the refugee camps then you have another situation where not enough resources are available just to meet survival needs and then you have on top of that the cholera outbreak so it's a situation that is extremely challenging um and I don't know. You know, when you talk to ministries that are working right on the border between Lebanon and Syria and mm. you say where, you know, how how are these people going to go back home um and reclaim their lives, their identities as Syrian nationals? Um the, the, there's a lot of just head shaking and shrugging of shoulders because nobody can predict that. Nobody knows what's going to happen with Syria because there's nothing left of Syria. Mm. I'm uh, I'm thinking that, you know, prayer is not nothing. Prayer is something. And um, I want to be praying for revival. I want to yeah. be praying for revival. I want, you know, we know that these parts of the Middle East can be turned from desolate wastelands to beautiful gardens because we've seen it happen in Israel. And so we want we want to be praying um, for for revival, um, that people would turn to God and that that God would um would turn in blessing, like right that the the earth is designed to produce enough food for uh for its people, and so when um when when the earth is rendered unable to produce um you know I think we have to we have to pay spiritual attention to to that so um thank you for this story and for connecting us with ministries there um briefly let's talk about what's going on in Nepal. You did a story um out of Nepal almost a month ago, and you've got an update on that now. Yeah. Well, Keys for Kids Ministries just sent a load of storytellers to Nepal. They're solar-powered MP3 devices that come with um, Keys for Kids devotionals plus an audio Bible. And um, they sent these this load of storytellers, 500 of them, on faith. Um, so they were raising money for it, and, and they were told by the partner, Good News Nepal, we need it. We desperately need these now because we have people who are coming and asking for these. And it's not just one family that's going to benefit from it. It's a whole community that's going to benefit from listening together to the Word of God, to the devotionals as they come together. Um, and so Keys for Kids said, yes, we'll do it. We'll send you 500. 
And things were going great. They got to the country, got into the country, no problem. 150 were distributed. They were celebrating what God was doing. And then we got word that uh, the, the, the room in which they were stored caught fire. And 350 of those units were completely destroyed. They're unusable. Mm-hmm. Um, so now they're having to start over again. And they still are, are raising the funds for the units that they, are, they just sent. So um, the need there is dire. Um, the, the hunger for God's word is enormous in Nepal right now. Um, there are parts of the, the people groups that Good News Nepal are reaching that uh, up until Good News Nepal came in there were considered unreached. So this is uh, parents and children who are now in the first generation of becoming believers, of interaction with the body of Christ, of maybe first time seeing um, what a body of Christ looks like, first interactions with God's word, um, who are thankfully there, but there's 350 other opportunities that aren't going to happen. So be praying about that and really consider, I mean, this is this is a need that we consider fairly urgent because of how Satan interrupted and is trying to uh, sidetrack um, I think what God is is trying to do in Nepal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, disrupt the distribution of the word. That sounds just like one of the enemy's schemes. Ruth, um, as always, thank you so very much for joining us. You guys can read these headlines and many, many more at missionnews.org. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge, and this is Faith Radio. All right, you're wondering, um, what can I do? Some of these um, stories are just so very desperate. And uh, as we survey the headline news of the day, sometimes we feel utterly powerless. Um, That's not a bad thing. That's not a bad thing. Um, That's a reality. We're not the first generation to face it. We're not the first generation of God's people to face it. So I'm thinking here about the verse in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 12. We do not know what to do. But our eyes are fixed on you. That's the response of faith. God, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are fixed on you. Let us pray the news today. Let us lift up hands before the Lord our God and ask for his help. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LeBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.